episode 51. Yeah, we're back right after our anniversary episode. Fried Squirms, and I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. If you've never listened to Fried Squirms before, go back to episode 50, because we tell you a lot about... I mean, normally we'd say go back to number one, because we explain a lot, but we just kind of rehashed it, so... Yeah, and I think we did a better job <laughs> than our first episode of rehashing our origin story. But every episode's somebody's first episode, so we're here to talk about horror movies with you. Yeah, welcome. And this one is kind of special because this is our Christmas episode. It is. It certainly is. We chose this to be our Christmas episode. We're not quite sure how the timing is all going to work out yet. I'm going to actually hope to get this episode up before Christmas. I don't think it's going to happen. Just because of uh, the timing of like... I mean, it's Christmas weekend, so... Exactly. Like, seeing it's, it's family upon us. and all that shit... I don't know if it's actually going to happen. I'm going to try. If not, though, then it'll come out shortly after Christmas. And maybe that's better so it doesn't accidentally ruin your Christmas. Yeah, it could just be a, a good holiday episode. Festivus. For the rest of us. Exactly. <laughs> but we chose this basically to be our Christmas episode because, light synopsis, this is the story of a child without a father coming into the world on December 25th. Exactly. Mm. So, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind for this film. That's a good way of looking at it, too. Partway through watching the movie, I, that came to my head, and I'm like, oh my god, like, we're watching a movie about how a child comes into the world on December 25th. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because the fact that it's Christmas Eve and Christmas is mentioned multiple times throughout this movie. Oh, it's, it's kind of a part no of surprise. the surprise. Right, exactly. Kind of. It's not in as big of a way as you would think, but... It kind of explains why so many people are wanting to be around her in the first place, I guess. Good point. But yeah, we'll dive into that. Good synopsis. Okay, but before we get into the movie, which, by the way, we label our episode titles with the names of the movies, you already know we're watching Inside. Yeah, at this point, I hope that you know we're covering this film. <laughs> so before we talk about Inside, how was your week? It was I, actually really good, man. I, I know had that a good you weekend. just did something pretty interesting this weekend. So. I did. I took another venture to the Roxy to take in another cult classic. This weekend, I took in a Tommy Wiseau fucking gem of a film, The Room from 2003. I saw The Room. Now, I'll admit I've never seen it all the way through, but I've seen quite a few clips here and there. But I've still never had quite the same experience, but I know the reputation. Yeah, and then its reputation, of course, is a movie I think a lot of people consider probably the worst movie ever made, but it's so bad it's good. One Mm -hmm. of those films. I would highly recommend seeing it in a theater with a crowd because it's it, it would not be the same watching it on your own. Although I'm probably going to watch it by myself. Oh, there's like, nothing wrong with possibly that. Possibly later tonight. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. It's just it's fun to take in the atmosphere because there's certain things kind of like the Rocky Horror Picture Show where you do certain things at certain times in the film. Definitely played out the Roxy. <laughs> See, I'm going to turn the lights down though mm. and turn on some Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Take it nice and slow. Oh, oh, hi, I don't Tyler. Know about that. <laughs> but no, it was fun. I got to see some people that we know. And yeah, it was a good time, man. And of course, I got to introduce our feature film with my brother in law, Jeff, last night. So I got to do that as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about how that went, too, once we get a little into the squeal. Yeah, well, enough about me. How about yourself? Now, I feel like I have to bring this up at least a little bit. Because it's such a cultural touchstone at this point. I went and saw the new Star Wars last night. Fuck yeah. And 
I'm very surprised at the amount of divisiveness it seemed to have caused online this past weekend, as I've been following it all. Yeah, I see there's some backlash. Because that's the type of news that I tend to follow quite a bit. But I, who, I mean, just to pull out the geek credentials a little bit, you know. Some street cred. Yeah, right? Just to to prove that I'm not like a newcomer to this (laughs) conversation or anything, like... I mean, what years did they start putting them back out in theaters? You remember when they did that, right? Oh, yeah. It was like, what, like 97 through 99? I want to say it was like late 90s, exactly. Right? That sounds right. And then, like, we got Phantom Menace in 99? I think you're right. 99, 2000 is more around there. Right? I don't remember dates. I'm sorry, people. Like, I'm, I'm terrible with that shit. But the fact of the matter is, growing up, Star Wars came back to theaters when I was like 10 years old. That's almost like the perfect age to suddenly be going and seeing these fucking... And so I went and saw Star Wars in the theaters, not the original run, because I wasn't alive in fucking 77. (laughs) Neither one. I can admit that. And I knew about it beforehand. I had friends that had it on fucking VHS. I mean, the version I grew up watching was the THX-released VHS, which I believe is the version closest to the original theatrical cut i believe you're right yeah and so i mean that's the version i've seen more than any other is fucking true blue star wars like went and saw all the prequel series and was disappointed by all of them like the rest of you (laughs) yeah Uh, you know weekends that they came out right not super delved in the expanded universe but definitely have the old eu anyway yeah with like rogue squadron series i fucking love i jedi that video games and shit throughout the years like i'd like to think that i can add a little bit to the star wars conversation oh i've got a cool story i'll share too yeah when it comes down to it and i'll tell you what it's almost my favorite yeah it's almost my favorite there's parts in it that are that feel just a little bit clunky there's literally like two scenes i can point to that feel absolutely like studio and not like the film and that sort of Like, if I wouldn't have been able to feel those scenes sort of jump out at me in those ways, it might have ended up being my favorite. But there was just sort of a disjointed clunkiness. It sort of felt like it was two different movies put together, and both of those movies were fantastic, and were actually doing a good job of mirroring each other, but some of the changes were just too abrupt. I fucking, I love what they did with it, though. The more I think about it, the more I love it. I don't want to say too much about it right now, but I will say that now that I've seen it, that was sort of the deadline I gave myself to procrastinate. Right, so sometime right. within the next month, probably right after the year comes out, I'll do like a year in review of all the geeky bullshit that nice. I took in over this past year. Yeah. And that's going to be written up and put up on the new website. Well, the newly revamped website, www.friedsworms.com. You can never play And I will go in more spoilery on awesome. that and some of my thoughts. But I really dug it. I felt in some ways it very much was back to the roots of Star Wars awesome. in exciting ways rather than just feeling like a complete rehash. Yeah. They meld some ideas together to form the frame that builds that movie. Well, that's going to be exciting to see their further entries because that's inevitable. <coughs> An interesting little side note that ties right back into Star Wars exclusively is one of my favorite bands, arguably my favorite band, is an Irish band, Ash, and during the time of the prequels for the Attack of the Clones, they're huge fans. Their first album is 1977, and they open up with a TIE fighter, you know, in their opening track. But anyhow, long story short, is uh, George Lucas actually 
knows that they're like huge fans. Mm -hmm. And so they actually did a track for Attack of the Clones entitled Clones. And I've met these guys several times while they're on tour. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting tie-in. Like they're huge Star Wars fans, Ash are. I actually have to take back what I said. I do remember that Phantom Menace, I didn't actually see opening weekend. Because Phantom Menace ties into a different story of mine with... It was one of the first movies that me and my buddies fucking pirated on the old P2P <laughs> file sharing networks. Nice. So we spent... This was on dial-up. We spent three days wow. downloading a shitty... Copy like, of Phantom. <laughs> shitty, like, handheld in a fucking theater. Oh, yeah. I remember those days. Copy of fucking Phantom Menace. And that's how we watched it the first time. Because that was still sooner than Little Town Montana... I've talked about it in the past, fucking one screen theater only showed three nights a week, one showing a night. Yeah. Usually would only get the big movies and we would get them three months late. And so I did go see it in the theater in Superior when it got there three months after it Superior came out. Superior is opening night. <laughs> Still counts as an opening night, I suppose, right? Right, it was weekend. opening night in Superior. Like, <laughs> yeah. That was the soonest I had a so chance to see it in my hometown. technically, you did make an opening. <laughs> right? Yeah, I did go to it as... Uh, I just... I didn't have... Right, it. just not as official. Right? I, 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 I wasn't driving yet, so I couldn't make it here to Missoula to catch it. Yeah, it's understandable. But no, I mean, I was at the age, too, where, you know, I was in my late teens, going into my 20s when the prequel started coming out, and grew up same way, watching the originals. So I'm looking forward to it. I've seen all of them in the theater, ex you know, excluding this mm -hmm. more recent one. So I'm looking forward to it. I definitely want to go see it again in the theater, partially just because there's still things about it that I'm not quite sure how I feel on it yet. They feel like they're swirling around in my mind, and I yeah. think they'll sort of clink down into place. At least one more viewing in. Awesome. Oh, there were some really, really fucking cool things, though. Like, I can't wait for you to see it. Yeah, like visually, though, I, I have no qualms in saying, visually, this is... I want to say the most intriguing. I feel like intriguing can be very easily turned to be kind of a bad thing, but I don't want to necessarily say stunning either. There's one or two scenes that are maybe stunning, right. but overall I feel even when it's not being stunning, they're still doing cool things visually. Awesome. Uh, more than... I mean, I think this is the most visually intriguing movie in the entire saga. Wow, that's saying a lot too, because... Uh... You know, for the most part, they are visually pretty to look at, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that you got to see it. And then we'll get to share our thoughts on it when I do get to see it. So, yeah, man. Awesome. But with that, I mean, okay, let's... We're here to talk about horror movies. Yeah. No, I mean, we're, you know, we're catching people up to speed on what we've been up to. It's it's nice to catch up. And we plugged our website. Yeah. Our website. I'm really fucking proud of it. Dude, so you did a great website. job, man. I, I think it's boss. So, yeah. Um, but let's fucking talk about Inside. Oh, and why? Way, we're going to talk about 2007's French Extremity movie. I don't like the term French Extremity. I know that that's what people use mm. for it, but... it's Yeah, it's... I don't know. It, it is Extremity sounds stigma. clunky. Yeah. Extremity sounds clunky. That's the only thing I don't yeah. like. Film Inside. We're going to get into the guts and bolts, talk about what went into this movie, stay spoiler-free for a little bit, and then we're going to hit it hard. Oh, Yeah. Guts and Bolts. Alright, Guts and Bolts. Now, this is going to be another one of those films where I'm going to be relying on you a little bit. Partially because, once again, this is the one I hadn't seen again before. You'd seen this. Oh, I have. I have access to like the IMDb and all that too, but... <laughs> it's okay. I like it when you teach me on these ones. <laughs> mm. I like being a guide. I feel like if I'm going to introduce you to some films, I want them to be worthy I don't oh, want just worthy. Throw, I don't. I don't want to throw just any old bullshit your way. 
Oh, and this was worthy. This was worthy. Yeah. So this one, if you're familiar with Martyrs, which we have covered, and you're familiar with this French movement of films, then this one falls right in place. Being the guts and bolts, we've talked about it on Martyrs, but that was a while ago. Yes, it has been We should been probably talk about the French extremities right. films again. There's not many of them. There's not quite when you compare how much French cinema there is, but the ones that are, there's probably, I'd wager, I don't know, what do you think, maybe 15, 20 films or so? Yeah, something Upwards like Upwards to that. 30 tops, depending on how independent you want to go with it. I mean, even the director of Martyrs has sort of critiqued them even saying that there was a movement at all. Right. And I understand because his there was so few argument. Of them. Right. Exactly. And and I think that's a good point that he brings up too. That being said, in the mid two thousands It just so happens to be that that's when a lot of these films were sprouting up. Yeah, there was like we said, about twenty definitely under thirty. Right. Some that are probably arguably in it or not. Yeah, I agree, because I feel like there's other films that can fit inside of that realm, and they don't necessarily have to be French. Mm-hmm. But these really extreme horror films <laughs> came out of France. Yeah, and it, and I can understand the label, too, like the French extreme horror, I suppose. But, you know, we'll delve into some of the ideas, maybe that maybe sheds a different light on that expression. As I brought up before, I think eventually we'll get through every movie that's considered new French I think we can't help but, <laughs> but you know given that it's a limited number and it's nice because we can hit upon them strides but I'm glad that we're doing this film for a number of reasons and I'm glad that this is one of those that you hadn't seen prior so I guess with that being said uh, maybe we can give a, a brief synopsis which you did you know okay yeah but that was a terrible synopsis that no it's okay you're just yeah I mean technically everything I said was absolutely you're true. Not, yeah I mean you're not wrong with what you said but I guess now that you're in our guts and bolts section, we can really talk about what this film is about. Well, being the guts and bolts, we still want to stay away from spoilers. Yeah, we don't so want to hit you on big spoilers. Uh, but we, we do have to tell you what the film is about. I kind of wish I would have watched a trailer to see what they give away anyway. Mm-hmm. But I suppose what the film is really about is one woman wanting another woman's unborn child. Yeah. Within the framework of a... Home invasion. Home invasion horror movie. Yeah. We've touched on some home invasion before. We certainly have. Hills Have Eyes, I think. Fundamental in that movement. It might be like a fucking RV, but that Still, there's a an home invasion, invasion right. scene that's fantastically done, and it's probably the best part of that movie, oh, horror-wise. Anyway. Yeah, horror-wise, that's, yeah, for sure. We've also covered Henry. I was just about to say that. Great horror, yeah. I mean, great home invasion sequence in that. And probably parts of other movies, too. Fucking, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But this one fits the bill, for sure. And uh, it so happens to fall on Christmas Eve, going into Christmas Day. So So there's your Christmas narrative. There's our Christmas narrative. But, oh, boy. Oh, like, that's the synopsis. That's what this movie is about. Maybe we should give some warnings before we really get into it. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, normally we give our warnings before we get into the the squeals the squeals of the movie right. but maybe we should give it right up like yeah we have we to be keep right up saying front. new french extreme movement extremity it earns it oh it, like i said it fits the bill perfectly although the moniker you know can you know whatever you can argue that moniker but you're right it's a violent film it's very graphic if you're it's very squeamish, dark yeah it's very dark very melancholic deals with some heavy subjects i mean Home Invasion is 
generally kind of terrifying anyway when um, done right. I totally agree um, because nobody likes to have their privacy invaded. I mean, like, slashers also, like, tend to do a little bit of home invasion just sort of by their nature, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. It's not these true, like, home invasion scenarios, or even you get, like, Clockwork Orange does home invasion. It certainly does, and we've talked about Kubrick before. I don't know, yeah, something about that invasion of your space is always kind of... And maybe now I'm just getting into the how did that make you squeal kind of early. But, but no, I think what we're trying to say with this film is that it exudes this atmosphere. This is what one of the main gists of the film is about, is this home invasion. But yeah, Jesus, I mean, pregnant woman... I mean, the movie's about a pregnant woman being put into a state of terror, first off. Oh, yeah. So that, that's liable to quite a few people's buttons right there. So yeah, so You if, should probably... <laughs> I'll put it this way, you know, for people who have children who don't like the idea of harm coming to a child. Right. And for women, definitely, who are pregnant, probably I'd say, hey, you might want to shy away from this one. If you're a gentleman, you probably don't want to show your girlfriend this movie, especially if she's not familiar. You probably don't want your parents seeing this. Maybe some of your siblings, if they're cool with it. You know, it's like one of those films. But I will say this. It's one of those films, though, if you appreciate horror and you know this kind of subject matter, then this is like, this is one of my favorite foreign films for sure. And to give you an idea by tying it back into something, like you said, one of the things, this is a foreign movie. Not as many people are keen to watch them offhand anyway. So to tie it back into something a little bit more mainstream... This is also something where the violence level and what's shown on screen is comparable to a bit like hostile. Oh, yes, yes. Except the difference being this is more on purpose. It's within a narrative. I guess not that it matters, though, for some people. I mean, it, that's how bad it gets. Yeah, so, you know, this is one of those films. It's brutal, it's violent. You might want to shy away from that if that's not your thing. Especially there's a lot of gore as well, so we should say that. All right, so now we have There's the warning your warnings. Yeah, no, right. Now, what in, went into this movie, though? What are the guts and bolts? Okay, so for our guts and bolts, and we're talking here, you know, our directors, writers, etc., this is a debut from two film directors, and these gentlemen are Alexandre Bustillo and Julien Mari. Now, these gentlemen, like I said, this being their first film, it's really cool because... From what I understand of these guys, they like to say that they're one director split in two, and so they bring different moods and different ideas. They tend to agree with a lot of direction, so it's easy. So with that being said, both of these gentlemen have worked on a lot of horror films, one of them being Livid, which is a French film. Among the Living, they've done a segment for ABCs of Death Part 2. The segment is X for Xylophone. They also were attached to the more recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre entry, Leatherface. Which, when I just really quickly looked up their shit right before we started this episode, that suddenly made me really want to see that a lot more. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, which you know we'll talk about too, but there's a lot of French directors, writers, etc., who are getting attached to these, I don't know if you want to call reboots or just new entries into certain franchises. Mm-hmm. You know, we've already talked about Alexandre Aja. He did the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. These guys are attached to Leatherface, so there's, you know, two big tie-ins. And they were attached to other big-name IPs, too. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of it written down, but I was like, these are some probably some of their more notable works. I think some of those projects ended up going to other directors, mm-hmm. and others are still caught in production hell, but 
And I think they were like attached to like Halloween at one point, wow. which we know they're not doing now because we're getting the Danny McBride one. Exactly. Which actually sounds really good so far. I like Danny McBride, yeah. yeah. I like him a lot. And I think they were attached to Hellraiser at some point, but I think that's... Huh. I think that you know series we is pitched. currently in production hell. Yeah, fucking give it to the Baskin guys. Yeah. It's fucking Baskin. And Mary Chan, yeah, dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so these gentlemen are responsible for directing the film. They are also responsible for writing the dialogue, the screenplay. Our cinematographer, now he's more known for some interesting French films, and he's also done a couple series, which I'll mention. He's done cinematography for the film Frontiers, which is another French extreme film. He directed the video game adaptation movie Hitman. Oh, okay. Um, he's also worked with these... Uh, which was the, the Timothy Oliphant? I want to say it was like the mid-2000s. All Fantastic? Might have been. I can't remember it. It's worth anyway. looking up. So uh, this gentleman I'm talking about, his name is Laurent Barras. He's also done work on Livid. He's worked on the movie The Divide. And a series that actually was recommended to me, which is on Netflix, is uh, Crossing Lines. He's got some really interesting works underneath his belt. Our editor for this film, which I think is interesting because he goes by a singular name. His name Ooh. is Baxter. Oh, Baxter. Now, Baxter, and we're talking about French extremes. Now, he's worked on some nasties. He's done High Tension or Alt Tension. The Hills of Eyes with Aja. I was talking about oh, the reboot okay. of 06. He's worked on the film Mirrors, Piranha 3D, a film I recently just watched, Maniac, from 2012 oh. with Elijah Wood. And he's worked on a film with Daniel Radcliffe, Horns. I really want to watch that. I really want to. I've read heard the book some pretty interesting though. things about that. I like the author anyway, so yeah, I, I need to read the book first, and then I'm gonna hit it up at some point. Yeah, but he's yeah. done some really cool work on those films. Our music, unfortunately, this gentleman in our horror room, we talk about deaths. Now he passed away last year, and apparently he had an illness that he had for an extended period of time, and it finally subdued him, but. This gentleman's name is Francois-Eudes Schoenfrault. He's worked on some French extremes as well in High Tension, the film Donkey Punch. I don't know how often I'll be able to say that, but there is actually a film called Donkey Punch, and it's a very extreme movie. Uh, very I think graphic. I watched uh, like three minutes of the first like. It's kind of a weird of watch. I've seen a little bit of it, that film, but it's... It's Wait, really did you slow say that paced. It's another one of the extremes. It is. So we're gonna get to it at some point. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Donkey punch. Keep that in mind. Another French film called Vinyan, and The Hills of Eyes as well. So he's done a lot of music. I think he's even done some solo work and released some albums before his passing. Some really interesting work. I think he did a great job scoring this film. Our producers for this film are Franck Rabieri and Varane uh, Frigiani. So these gentlemen helped produce the film. The production companies are BR Films and La Fabrique de Films. Distributors are La Fabrique de Films. They helped with the distribution of the 2007 France theatrical release. Big naughty name right now. The Weinstein Company helped release the 2008 USA theatrical release of this film. And Dimension Extreme, which I own the DVD copy, Mm -hmm. distributed the uh, 2008 USA release. Uh, Special effects teams are BR Films. FX Cinema and Matt Gufflin for this film. The budget was maybe two and a half to three million US. Box office didn't have a huge return, about five hundred thirty thousand dollars. This release date, I think we looked up, was like what May thirteenth. I think it was. They said. Oh yeah, it was uh, part of the International Critics right. Awards at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, so that took place and uh, October seventeenth, two thousand seven, here in the states at the Screamfest Film Festival. It does have a tagline, which I like. I come to appreciate it more. 
after listening to after our anniversary Jesse, episode, yeah, dude. That geez, was a lot that of fun. Was a, that was a lot of fun. I uh, learned a lot about those taglines, too. God damn, Blackula. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it, that could have been a number of films, but mm-hmm. that was awesome. I'm, I enjoyed the shit out of that. But this one is Don't Let Her Inside. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. So yeah, that's uh, kind of my favorite, but no, this, these are the people behind the scenes of the film. And now we can get into our cast. First lady I want to mention is our female protagonist, our pregnant lady in this film. I almost feel like there's only like three people worth mentioning. Yeah. I mean, most of the people are just kind of, they're in the story. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. But not, I don't want to say too much, but yeah. Barely. That's the thing. Like I, I almost wanted to point out in the in the warning that for the amount of people that this movie actually follows, there's a lot of deaths. Yes, <laughs> there is. There's a, quite a number of bodies in this film. A surprising amount of bodies for the amount of people that this movie actually follows. Cast, yeah, yeah, I agree. I'll try to mention just brief stuff because most of these actors, actresses. Are French, so unless you're familiar with French movies, TV series, you're probably not going to know a lot of their work. So, with that being said, Alison Paradis, she is our protagonist, Sarah, in this film. So a few of her works are a film called Drama and The Childhood of Icarus, which I believe both of those are French films. Our woman, La Femme, in this film, she is the antagonist to Sarah, is played by Beatrice Dahl. No, she's done some American films. She's done some works in the 90s that were kind of interesting. She did a film called Betty Blue, Night on Earth, Trouble Every Day. She also helped with the segment of the ABCs of Death by these two gentlemen, X for Xylophone. She was in the film Livid. And if you're familiar with the band, Aha. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. Take on me. She was in the music video of theirs called Move to Memphis. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I actually looked it up. It's on YouTube. And I was like, wow, this is like... It almost makes me feel like I'm watching a fashion photo shoot or like an ad for a cologne or perfume. (laughs) But, you know, I was like, oh, there she is. So very recognizable face in person. All right, so these are some of our cast that aren't in the film for very long. An interesting lady in this film who plays Louise, who I won't mention exactly who she is until we get into oh, the squeal. Right. But Louise is played by Natalie Roussel. She was in two movies that, from what I understand by these directors, they said every French man from their generation, which I think these guys are just a few years older than you and I, but they known her for being like a, a very, I don't know, maybe like a compassionate or just a very empathetic character in her films that she was in. Two of them were My Mother's Castle and My Father's Glory. And they said every man like loves her for those roles. Both Murray and Bastillo were like, you know, it wasn't cool that we used her in this film for certain reasons. Uh, because this is a way of uh, like how we get to pay homage to her because we love her. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk a little bit more about that in the squills. So she plays Louise. Francois-Régis Marchesson is Jean-Pierre in this film. Played in a film called Maigrette in Mazarin. Jean-Baptiste Tabirin is Matthew in this film. This is his only film that he was in. I got some funny shit to talk about with him. Nicolas de Vauchel is one of the policemen in this film. He's one of the policemen that's tethered to another gentleman. Okay. Yeah. He's actually been in some pretty interesting stuff. He was a model for, I think, Hugo Boss. Like, oh, wow. He was actually, like, one of their figures. Oh, damn. So I was like, that's kind of funny like, seeing I know that. Hugo Boss. Yeah. 
But he was in a film called Police, White Material. And like I wrote down it, he was a model. Is and, Hugo Boss cool right now? Because like I don't Hugo know. Boss it was for a while. Well, yeah, but I mean, like considering political climate and shit, because like Hugo Boss himself was the guy that designed the SS uniforms. <laughs> Just that, throwing that tip. Yeah, out just there. keep that in mind. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Which, also, yeah. to tie back around, though, that indirectly means that Hugo Boss was the inspiration for a lot of the Empire, and I just got done watching Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it's like fashion, you know? <laughs> it's like uber great. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's interesting, man. I didn't know that about Hugo. Like a boss. Dude, I, like, I hope I'm not fucking that up, but I'm almost, like, I'm 99% positive that's We'll true. go with that narrative. It's going to be the boss now. A different boss. Eamon Saidi plays Abdel. The man I was talking about that was tethered to our policeman in this film. Tahar Rahim is another municipal policeman. He's the first wave of police officers that arrive and then there's a second wave of police officers that arrived. That's all I'll say about that. But he was among the first. He wasn't. He didn't do shit in this film, but he went on to do some other projects that were really cool. I remember a film he did called A Prophet. It was a foreign film that got a, kind of a lot of acclaim. And he was also in a movie called A Day of the Falcon and the movie The Eagle. So he's gone on to do some bigger productions. But that's the gist of our cast in this film. Like you said, it wasn't a big cast. A lot of okay. coming and goings. It looks like Hugo Boss didn't design it, but okay. his company definitely made Nazi uniforms. Okay, okay. So that's our cast. A strong cast, actually. I think everybody who was cast in this film did a, a supreme job. Oh, yeah, I agree. This was fantastically acted through and through. They sold it. This is a fucking terrible movie. Don't yeah. watch it. I mean, I mean, watch it. It's a fantastic movie, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I'll put it this way. Like, so right before we get into the squills... We did give you warnings, you know, of its content. I will say this. You have to be in a certain mindset, too, to go into this film. Otherwise, you're going to be in for a fucking ride. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to be honest. But I enjoy this film. Like I said, it's one of my favorite foreign, possibly one of my top three French films uh, in terms of what I enjoy. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about the movie, get in the spoilers, and Jesus, yeah, let's... Talk about how it made us squeal. Yeah, let's squeal. How does that make you squeal? Alright, how did this make you squeal? Oh man, now, the thing that I'm excited about this segment, outside of the fact that we can talk about the film and spoil it, but this is a film that you had not previously seen before. No, no I hadn't. So, that made my approach to it kind of interesting. I was like, how do I want to do this? Because... I know this is French Extreme. I know that you've likened it to Martyrs. I know I loved Martyrs, but at the same time, that's a fucking heavy movie. So how do I want to do this? Right. And I remember that with Martyrs, I only watched it one time going into it so that it was all still fucking fresh for me. So I decided to do that again. Part of the reason I decided to do that again was because of Star Wars, but come on. That's understandable. <laughs> I can't blame you for that. But the other reason was because I was like, this has a reputation, and... Like, I love me some horror movies, but sometimes, like, you don't want to fucking sit down and do these, like, twice in a row because... Because they're heavy. Like, man, like, that's rough. That being said, having gone through it once, I wouldn't have minded. I would go through this one twice in a row. Like, as, yeah. as extreme as this movie is, like, the narrative and shit, it keeps going along. It stretches it out past where you think it's going to originally end off at. 
kind of the same way Martyrs did, honestly. Right. Um, I actually think this one's an easier watch than Martyrs. I would agree. I think this one is... Being uh, the only other not French extreme one that we've covered right. on the show. It's like, uh, you know, how I'm going to say Martyrs a lot this episode. <laughs> no, I, it's completely understandable. But you're right. It's a film that is very comparable to Martyrs. Not that it's in the same storyline, you know, frame. These are quite different stories. But their violence, their scenes of body torture, I suppose, is very much exposed in these films. You know, this is a topic that a lot of films don't really cover necessarily in the horror genre. I mean, it's a subgenre within itself. But for whatever reasons, a lot of these films do kind of tackle that subject of body horror. I kind of feel like there might be like an inherent, I know an a lot inherent of the, the body influence. horror aspect to just the pregnancy anyway right to be honest uh yeah there's a lot of disfiguration and things um in this film as well but some of the inspiration of course we talked about him several times and we'll eventually can't help but get to him but is david cronenberg canadian film director and some of the inspiration for some of these directors have been you know the fly reboot video drone and you know there's i mean all kinds of films that uh, cronenberg has done but it's known for the body horror aspect of it mm-hmm. so I mean, this isn't one that I really want to hash through every scene in the movie. No, no, but I do kind of want to. I mean, it does make sense to hit a little bit in order, but I think I'm going to jump around a little bit because it's okay. One of the neatest things I found in this movie, and this is going to be a huge spoiler for the end, but warning: you're in the fucking how did that make you squeal? Yeah, this movie starts off with the fetus slamming. Yeah, I mean that's the very opening sequence. So you see that you hear a voice over the top of the image of a CG baby inside of a womb. And it sounds like a person who is, you know, an adulation of the baby. You know, it's like, I'm here to protect you. Nothing's going to hurt you. You hear what sounds like an accident, a car accident perhaps. The baby getting thrust. And uh, then, yeah, you're into the movie now. Opening scenes, yeah. From that point on, it establishes the shots of the fetus in moments of peril. That's a continuing theme throughout the movie. We cut back to the fetus another three or four times at least, I feel like. We do. We have certain aspects of that, yeah. But that's all set up for the twist. Because that first fetus you see here, like I said, big spoilers, Mm, was La Femme's. Right. And the neat thing about that is there's no way of knowing that. There's no way of knowing that. No. It's kind of a misdirection, too, because it's led to believe... (laughs) <laughs> when we do see what happened is there is a head-on collision and our main protagonist, Sarah, and it appears maybe her spouse, boyfriend, next to her, and they are fucked up. You know, you've already seen scenes of gore, and, and she's pregnant. And, it, and one of my first thoughts about it was like, why is she driving? Why is she driving? Oh, one of my first thoughts was, well, one of my, I was like, oh, she's pregnant. But then one of my first thoughts was the transition into the next scene, where it's four months, four months later, later. Right. and I'm like, how is this four months later? That baby should have been born two months ago with how pregnant she was looking. In yeah, there. she had a huge baby bump, if you want to call it a bump. She had a fucking baby mountain. <laughs> yeah, she was well rotund at that point. But I suppose, to be fair, when it pops in four months later, it's literally at the end of her pregnancy. If nothing starts, they're inducing her the next evening. Right. And this appears to be that it's uh, Christmas Eve, by all accounts. And she looks very absent, you know, very apathetic in a way, you know? Like, she's whatever, she's passe. Like, she's uh, kind of emotionless, too, you know, her character. 
She even has this weird interaction with a nurse who comes in and sits down beside her in that little waiting room. When I first sat down to do this movie, yeah, and I'm like, I'm going to do this like Martyrs. It's going to be fucking pure feeling. And I was riding it out, and I got to this scene with the nurse, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't do this pure feeling. I have to go grab a notebook and write this down because there's no way I can fucking forget this. Because I fucking busted a fucking gut at that scene. It was the most French thing I've ever seen. This fucking nurse sits down next to a fucking pregnant lady, lights up a cigarette, and starts bitching about pain. Yes, about the fact that she has four children, and the first one was the most painful and the worst one. But just a French woman bitching about pain in life while smoking a cigarette just not even caring right next to the f- a fucking pregnant woman i'm like that's possibly the most stereotypical french thing i've ever seen on fucking film yeah if and she would have been wearing a fucking <laughs> what's the fucking hat the only ones i can think of berets <laughs> yeah if she was wearing a fucking beret right and eating a fucking croissant then we would have been just hong all over the place. <laughs> oh yeah of course you can't help it right? <laughs> but it is it is kind of a weird almost a weird comedic dark comedy i suppose like the way she presenting this story like you said in a very stereotypical maybe french way and it's like what the fuck are she, what are you talking about lady and then eventually sarah calls her a twat and she gets up and leaves and then we get to meet louise and it's weird because we eventually know who louise is but at the beginning you just know her as louise sarah doesn't want her to be there i suppose she yeah. meets up with jean-pierre in the park, she's taking pictures of uh, a family with a little toddler. You can tell she's getting emotional about that, and he's having a conversation. Yeah, then they walk off and agree to, to like get ready for the labor for the next morning. Now, John Pierre, he was kind of a fucking sleazebag. Yeah, he appeared to be that way, right? That kind of fucking. I kind of wondered why Sarah seemed to be a very, very fucking strong character throughout this. Yeah, she's very strong-willed, and I kind of wondered why she even fucking put up with him because. There's a part later on, I mean, during that whole scene with her, he's kind of a scumbag and just sort of, I mean, he could have fucking not even took that call, I feel like. Yeah, he, it's, weird. He, it's a weird interaction. In he was trying scene. to show, like, how important he fucking was. Yeah, I'm the boss, man. And then on the way out, he's definitely trying to be like, oh, fucking, I'm going to woo you over the course of this next year, was kind of the subtext of that right. last line of his. He keeps trying to make sure that he's involved in her life. And it sounds, I mean, the interactions with Louise, who's the mom, the way Louise keeps hinting at it, she thinks it's a good idea. Yeah. But it sounds like Sarah's been complaining because she's not into it. No, and you can tell, like, I mean, it's four months later. They do a really good, I mean, there's a really good job of implying everything that's going on behind the scenes with a little bit of dialogue that we're actually getting. You're right. And that's partially because of how, how good the actors are, but the writing is just that good as well i was uh talking to jeff last night about this and this is something i pointed out to him it's when you first meet these characters outside of sarah you don't know who they are because they're only known by their name not their really their association with her honestly i didn't really like any character outside of sarah either no you like you're not really attached to them it's not until later maybe that you do (laughs) right but then later on with fucking what's his nuts I already forgot his name. Was it Jean-Pierre? Yeah, Jean-Pierre. When he thinks Jean. La, when he thinks La Femme is Sarah's mom, he's trying to fucking get on her, too. He's just like, oh, 
yeah, whatever. Fucking, this is cool. You're you're keep on getting me drinks, so yeah. I'm just gonna. I don't fucking Sarah, too. Sarah's ice queen compared to you. She doesn't even get me drinks, so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna start coming on to you. Maybe literally. I was like, what the fuck? Like, John Pierre's kind of a dickwad. I'm yeah. kind of surprised Sarah's even hanging out with him with the amount of strong-willedness that she shows throughout the rest of the movie. What I thought was cool is that actor who played that part, he said that uh, he was talking to the uh, La Femme mm-hmm. uh, doll. He was like, think about this. He's like, we are probably not the best actors for this. He's like, but we're definitely the first ones to do what we're about to do. And like, some of their scenes and sequences. He's like, how many French actors can you say that have done this type of stuff who are in mainstream <laughs> acting i don't know still the, there was a couple things where like i wrote down uh, fucking I, I just couldn't understand like a woman in her condition like she yes she does eventually call the police right but she goes and like searches around the house and shit first like she was making like slasher movie level mistakes like i was yeah. like fucking just call the police right away like yeah two minutes earlier but that person was just calling you your fucking name through your door, like, and That's you're, too you're much. fucking That's too much literally info. nine months pregnant. Like, <laughs> there was a really interesting scene before that too. Before the the ring that woke her up out of that the chair she was sitting in, Sarah, she had that dream sequence with the cat. Oh yeah, the dream the was baby. pretty nuts. That was uh, fucked up. Yeah, that's when I was like, oh, this movie could get a little bit nuts. And but that's there's a couple moments of little surreal things like that. There's also the moment with La Femme freaking out against the door mm-hmm. with a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. That moment's kind of surreal. But there's not as many as I thought there was going to be by having that one that early into the movie. Right. I thought a lot of that, too, is like, uh, if you notice the cat in the film, the directors, I think they used, and the cinematographer used a good balance of black and white in this film and the color red, which, you know, it is very... It's well used. It's a good balance in this film. But what I was going to say with that is, like, uh, that cat, for whatever reasons, it almost felt like there was impending doom whenever the cat was on screen, then there was impending doom right behind it. And this was, like, the first sequence of it. But going along with the police, and probably a major, kind of, like, middle two-thirds of this movie. By the way, not actually that long of a movie, also. Mm-hmm. That was kind of nice. Yeah, hour 20. Fuck these fucking police. It's messed up. She has enough time to fucking develop some photos before they show up the first time. That's what uh, we mentioned last night, too. Is like he, Jeff was like, uh, he's like, how long does it take to get to the place where she can go inside here and develop photos and have a, um, I want to quote a movie, a Patrick Swayze movie, and uh, Demi Moore, and Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yeah, she has a full-on ghost moment. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she did. I was, like, I was like, hold on, Jeff, watch this. I was like, they're about to have a ghost Patrick Swayze moment. So I thought that was funny, man. But you're right. There's like there's a lot of time that Which, elapsed before the cops finally showed up. In that scene, like he's like you're seeing Swayze, but he's possessing Oprah, right? Or, uh, yeah, um, Whoopi. Or, or Whoopi. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's Oprah, what I, that makes it completely different. He's possessing Whoopi, right? So, like that, yeah. it's Whoopi's body doing all that. I was it's, thinking that. I was like that. So was that. <laughs> so you know, if you're familiar with that movie, that is totally what that moment was. I mean, it's. It's an emotional moment for her character, you know, because we learn that... It's a sexy moment for her character. Yeah, for Whoopi. Um, <laughs> but no, we find out, you know, her husband in that accident has passed away. She's a widow. And this stranger knows apparently that... All of it. All of that. By the time the police arrive and they are asking questions and, you know, they're alluding to, oh, you know, well, your name's on the mailbox, so that's why she knew your name. 
Here's an interesting fact, if you don't catch it. While they're there, you get to see her address. Oh, I wrote it down. You want to say what it is? Her house number? Uh-huh. 666. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, come on. I did notice that. I was like, oh. And that even made me think, I'm like, oh, so very end of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because they do, the very last shot of this movie, they do play with the lighting quite a bit. Yes, they do. And at first, it's kind of a surreal shot. And baby Antichrist? Could be. Born um, out of just fucking... Hell. Hell on Earth. Think about that, what the mother goes through. But, man, all this stuff leading up to it, like the fact that while those cops are there, she actually, if you pay attention in the background... The cops are trying every bit to discredit her story. Yeah, and the woman slips in. If you catch it in the shadows, she slips in. And they're like, oh, she's not here. She's not going to be here. We'll bring it in the unit later on to check up on you. Okay, blah, blah, and blah. And throughout the night. Oh, man. So Sarah, she goes upstairs. So I want to comment on yeah. that real quick. Because we're I'm jumping sorry. around. This I know we are. You say Spoiler section. Yeah. So, and this goes back to the fuck the police section, because this does play an important part of the plot later on. Yes, yes, it does. They send a unit that has nobody that can even fucking recognize her on site. Yeah, Exactly. It took a moment for them to realize, oh, wait a minute. There's supposed to be a pregnant this woman. This is a fucking pregnant woman. Yeah. So, but to, you have to give the credit to La Femme, is that for both scenes where she has to portray Sarah and Sarah's mother, she comes off as passable, like, until someone realizes, hold on, wait a minute, who are you? Well, the only reason she's passable is because nobody's even hardly asking questions. Yeah, they're, they're just assuming. Mm-hmm. But their ignorance has fatal results. God damn, this movie gets fucking brutal. Oh, dude. Maybe want to talk about a few of those moments, man. What is one of the first moments for you that you know you were in for like, uh-oh, like one of those, like, uh-oh? All right, so I guess for me, it wasn't that first little bit. Well, it wasn't exactly that first bit with like the scissors and shit, because I'm like, they can't go that far this early. Because then where do they go? Right. Because that's like 30 minutes in the movie. That being said, that first confrontation, starting with the scissors and the navel and shit, and the slash to the face and shit, that whole scene was done so intensely that I did have to pause and see how far into it we really were, because I was like, where the fuck do you go from here? Yeah, because now she's trapped inside of her bathroom. I started to get hints of like, oh, this isn't going to go somewhere good. A little bit before that, when La Femme was creeping around the house, mm-hmm. and she did the weird fucking inhale of the brand new kids' clothes. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was getting the scent. But that wasn't like full on like, oh, this is how bad it's going to get yet. Right. Yeah, that's just like, you know there's something wrong, <clears throat> or maybe off kilter with this lady. But then, so like I said, I was wondering, how the fuck are they going to stretch this out? And part of the way they stretched it out was kind of like, oh shit, this is where they're going. And that's kind of having the, was it the first death? Kind of being Sarah accidentally stabbing her fucking mom through her neck. Yeah, so we talked about the fact that Jean-Pierre came over, right? Sarah had called him up while Sarah was having her ghost moment. She had noticed that in one of the photos that you could see a figure in the background of the park. And while that lady was outside looking in her sliding glass window, she was snapping those photos. I like kind of how they were using that, the flash, to reveal her striking the cigarette and whatever. But anyway, 
we discovered that the lady's been stalking her for some time, but she phoned Jean-Pierre, and he comes over because of that, and he discovers the photo on the couch while La Femme is getting more drinks for him. Mm-hmm. Sarah's mom comes over, and then it's like, uh-oh, because now Jean-Pierre's like, well, who are you? And she's like, where is Sarah? She goes upstairs. Sarah's trapped. She has that sewing needle, and mom fucked up. Sarah fucked up big time. Yeah, she freaks out and just swings it before seeing who it actually is right through the fucking neck. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So she just killed her own mom. Oh, man. That's, that's where we're going. Good wrenching. And like, now where do we go? Like, and I'm like, okay, so now there's even, yeah, it's gut wrenching. Oh, fuck. To me, it was just another awesome way to like, to stretch it out because it's yeah. like, okay, now we also know that i mean jean pierre is downstairs and that ends horrifically as well oh man although he has it coming to him because like i said he was kind of a lecherous creep he ends up with fucking scissors <laughs> to the dick oh man he gets it right behind the kneecap and then he winds up getting that was in the bad junk. enough but like especially because like i've fucked up my knees a few times so like <sighs> sometimes i cringe a little bit seeing people like get knee pain because i'm like oh i know what yeah you're i mean it about, hits buddy. home but I don't know in that way. God damn no, like, I hope I, I've to never, never find out. Like that, but. I never want to find out. <laughs> she even slashes his face and his throat. Yeah. Um, Sarah retreats back in the bathroom because it's like, oh, fuck. And so now it's like, what's going to happen? Now there's a timer in my mind as an audience viewer because I know that the cops are coming back at some point. Right, exactly. But I don't know when they're coming back because they already took two hours to get there the first time. Yeah, long enough for, like, these ghost moments. So it's like, does La Femme get in? Right. What happens in the meantime? And that put the tension back on. I was like, okay, like, that kind of just reset things a little bit. Like, now what's going to go on? There's a new timer. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a moment while they're struggling to get both of them. And really, that timer was there in the first place. It just wasn't something that I was counting on until then. I I know what you mean. It's interesting how these acts kind of play out, you know? But those moments of tension... With Sarah, you know, having to either go in into the bathroom for escape or go out to expose herself. And when she does expose herself, she stabs La Femme in the arm and gets her. And then that's where she has that manic moment. Yeah, and then, like you said, one by one, these characters start to appear. After the mother and Jean-Pierre get it, like I said, there's some time that passes where eventually the cops show back up. And they have a duh moment. Fuck, they're all dumb. I mean, and in the meantime, there has been, like, some shit. Because she... At what point do they each get green-roomed? That's what I wrote down in my notes. They each reach their hands through the fucking door and get fucked up a little bit. Yeah, it's true. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> when Sarah gets trapped inside, she gets her hand fucking punctured into <laughs> the wall by mm-hmm. that scissors. Oh, I was like, oh, my gosh. Right, that's and that's happening when the cops show up. Because they're the ones that finally... Yeah, they, they finally they realize the that. Down, so. Yeah, that the woman... But before that, La Femme put her hand through, didn't she? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She snagged Sarah's hair, and then she got stabbed, and then shit got broke off. (laughs) She was freaking... She was raging. And I just... Oh, man, there were so many moments in this movie where I'm just like... Like, fucking Sarah and all her desperation for a fucking weapon, Mm. just grabbing onto that fucking glass, and you just see the fucking blood welling up between her fingers and shit. Yeah, I was like, man, she was digging into that with her hand. She didn't give a fuck. And I was like, there's a fucking laundry basket behind you. Grab a towel and wrap that around the glass at least. No, so, but... no, she wasn't thinking. She's, <laughs> she's reacting. Right. 
But even the uh, bathroom, like what she was wearing, everything is almost everything, but the majority of it has that white. Mm-hmm. The woman represents the dark. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I like that, like the use of colors. But anyhow, you're right, man. There's a lot of that tension. Man, I kind of don't want to give away everything, but at the same time, like, God, some of it was so we fucking should, We cool. need to talk like, about this. We need to talk about this. <laughs> the fucking cops are still fucking dumb. Yeah, dude goes upstairs, checks on Sarah, like I said, he pulls out the scissors. The other guy stays behind, but he gets yanked by the fucking La Femme. She stabs him in the eye. Then she which, stabs him in the head. Mm-hmm. He goes down. And they're like, oh, shit, she gets his gun. And then uh, Homeboy, who's helping out Sarah, gets shot in the fucking face, and his head explodes in front of her. Uh, <laughs> God damn. Yes. Which, although super awesome and unexpected, and the exploding bits were good, that was the one little letdown. I was like, that head could have looked a little bit better. I got to watch some behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and I saw how they did that. They used a prosthetic head, mm-hmm. and then they used the guy who was playing that part, in the, like a blue screen and uh so they kind of like superimposed the faces together to give that reaction you know so that way his facial reaction happens but anyhow yeah it was kind of neat i mean you could tell it was the technology but the effects man as far as the special effects practical ooh, the blood and gore was yeah really good i got to see how like they were making some of the prosthetic heads for all the actors and actresses or whatever some of them were taking like three and a half to four hours and they were just covered and you know, like plaster material. It was pretty wild, man. They went through some extensive labor in this film. Uh, one of the things I liked as we start getting into more and more of the deaths, I mean, the movie pretty much takes place all inside this one house. Yeah, it does. And this it is all the starts major adding focus. up, and there's, it's fucking bloody as shit. And oh there's just great consistency. By the end of the movie, the place is fucking it's, full of bodies. It's a bloodbath. Yeah. Yeah, so Jean-Pierre gets There's fucking There's so much fucking up. blood all over the Ugh. place, you'd think that the fucking vampires from the beginning of Blade just held a fucking raven there. There is. There's a lot of detail to the blood in this film, and like all of the scenes that you see it wherever the film takes place in. That, that the bathroom that she's in most of the time covered. ends up just covered. Most of the hallway... Drenched. Mom's bleeding out of the neck all over the <laughs> fucking halls. The fucking staircase ends up covered by the end. Just literally like a waterfall of blood going down. It's kind of sad because that's a realization point too. Like, uh uh-oh. I mean, where like the living room, at least what, like two or three people were killed in, so. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) god damn, dude. A lot of people, even kitchen, there's a lot of blood in there. Mm -hmm. A lot of intense scenes in there. That's the thing about this film is that you feel like maybe there's moments of like scenes playing out. But when it hits those maybe little lulls, it hits you right in the face with something brutal. You know, seeing Sarah get whacked in the face with a toaster. <laughs> and she's going to have to perform a tracheotomy to herself. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> and they're just... <laughs> it's like, that's harrowing, but she had enough sense to save herself. For a little bit. Yeah. But she was threatening to stab her womb. <laughs> It impressed me how quickly that was subverted, too. Because I feel like a lot of other movies, that scene would have been played out for a bit. And that's when they would have had their fucking speech back and forth. And, yeah. this, and it's just like, nope. oh, no, no, bitch, you ain't doing this. <laughs> I came here for this baby. Yeah, like, she, this is the pres- to preserve the baby. <laughs> but yeah, she's like, nope, not, not tonight. One of the interesting things, too, is like this gets called out a lot, is the officer who's trying to throw on the breaker. He was tethered to that younger mm-hmm. gentleman. How he pops back up, and when he does, he has like a zombie moment. 
you know, where he oh, freaks yeah. out. He got, what was it? So it was a riot gun. So yeah. it was a beanbag round, but it was at extremely right close range. Right to the temple, at least, or maybe right in the Yeah, so part of his brain is just demolished. Scrambled, is what it seems yeah. Like. I mean, that but makes not sense. not enough. But he raged and clubbed Sarah a good couple of times enough to splat some blood out of her. And they do that. That's that's one of the disturbing <laughs> wow. things. They do that with a number of the deaths because she stabs <clears throat> the scissors into the dude's forehead. Yeah. And the guy that he's tethered to. It's like to, he's lobotomized at that point. The kid was so passive and it's like he tries to fight back, but it's too little, way, 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 way too, too late. late. Yeah. Because he pulls it out and he's trying to stab back at her, but it's, I mean, obvious brain damage and shit. But there's another one where uh, I can't remember who it was, but I remember seeing some twitching and shit and like. Oh, that's the guy who got stabbed. Right. The officer, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's brutal. Every one of the deaths in this film are brutal deaths. It's not like a throwaway death. Well, and even that scissor to the forehead kid. Before they go back to the stairs for the, mm. the last little bit, the last scene that you can see him in, he's kind of close to one of their legs as they're running away, and he's still twitching. Oh, fuck. He's gone through throws. Oh, yeah, it's not a good time. Like, nobody's having a good death in this movie. No. Have we missed any of the deaths, or is that all of them up to this point currently? I believe so, yeah. We've talked about all the deaths. Uh, well, we we're didn't talk gonna, about the zombie death yet, because he winds up getting speared. Right, so I wanted to back up right before we talk yeah. about the spirit is because we skipped over it and it's probably better left seen in the movie in a little bit of ways, mm-hmm. but it's kind of neat. Sarah does have like this badass moment and she comes back and she's fighting back and shit. And both of them, Sarah and La Femme, are getting very like inventive with the ways that they're coming at oh, each yeah. other. Yeah, she has that uh, the knife and the uh, like extension pole. Mm-hmm. She's making makeshift swords. I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. But I was also like, I'm not expecting this to end good. Like, fucking Martyrs ended fucking super bleak. Like, I have yeah. a feeling I know where this is going. I was, Unfortunately, I, I kind of guessed where this is going just because I knew I'm like, there's one way to make this as bleak as possible, and they already hinted at what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They try to throw you off its scent a little bit with, like, La Femme getting the fire to the face and shit. Yeah, she takes retreat in the closet, and uh, we find out a big reveal in this film. Like, what you had mentioned a little bit earlier was uh, the fact that in that car accident in the beginning of the film, it's it makes you feel like maybe that baby that you see inside the womb at the beginning of the film is Sarah's child, but no, it was La Femme's. Woman has been stalking her ever since. Yeah, she lost her baby, and she wants Sarah's baby as a, I guess a, <laughs> you know, a way of atoning. It's fucked up. And she ends up getting Sarah's baby. Yeah, she's like, you can kill like, me let's now. Let's just get to it. Like, yeah, I was like, this is the beef of what we're here for. This is the main course. Oh yeah, and then it just gets brutal when the lights turn on, and then it doesn't end well at all. Once La Femme winds up beating up Sarah, kicking her around and shit, she winds up stabbing homeboy. Right up underneath his arm. That was pretty brutal. Oh, and he got and all ripped around and shit. Dabs him right in his chest. And yeah, he's just all thrashing on the couch. And then Sarah tries to retreat on the stairs. And she's going into labor. And there's a an emergency C-section that gets performed. And we get to see it <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. So that's when I made a note. Wow. That for as bad as this movie gets... Mm-hmm. 
in some ways, I feel like it skips all the extreme worst parts. Oh, it could definitely get a lot worse. With the extreme worst parts being the scissors went through the pillow before she wiggled around in fucking homeboy's face. Yeah, 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 exactly. She gave him the old pillow and face death. Although we see the sort of precursor to it with the scissors going through the flesh... And we see the afterwards with the corpse all cut open. Oh, yeah, mangled. I feel like the worst thing that we could have seen is the baby actually being pulled Coming out, yeah, that would have been super intense. I would imagine probably for theatrical releases, they did not want that in the film. (laughs) But we demand it. (laughs) I agree. Like, it could have gone a lot worse. I mean, there's a film that, that do in that regard. But the end result is not pretty for Sarah. She winds up bleeding out, and she's all gutted. The baby's taken out. La Femme winds up with baby. She retreats to a rocking chair where the room illuminates in this red while, you know, she's blacked out, and the baby is faintly crying. It's weird in a way because she's actually being very tender with the child. She's kissing it and embracing it and cuddling it. It's a dark scene. That's what I'm saying. You get these moments of terror and dread because this woman is inducing them. Oh my god, the red light and you can't see any of the background. It's just her and the baby in the rocking chair once they're sitting down. And her face is mangled. Once the camera finally pulls out enough then you start seeing some of the detail on some of the other things around the room. But for a long time all you can see is like her bathed in this red light holding the baby and shit it's a fucking i mean it's terrifying but it's beautiful beautifully composed scene yeah and a lot of what i like about this film too is we talk about this a lot in our films that we review is uh, the way that music gets played out throughout the film and the composition for this film gives that very minimalist music in a way it doesn't use a lot of uh, it's like a lot of droning synth it seemed yeah. very atmospheric i dug it i super yeah. dug it and, and it's, it's very, very much just, shine through shine through at times yeah and i, I like I said it i like it a lot because it gives you that sense of melancholy and somberness and it gets played out all the way through the end and it's just like man in a lot of films right that we cover slasher films etc Typically, the protagonist finds a way to survive or mm-hmm. he finds a way out of those situations. Not in this case. It appears that the bad person has won out in a unique way, too. It's like you can almost sympathize with her a little bit, you know, because she lost a baby. But it's fucked up how she got her baby back. <laughs> out of, yeah. You're like, God yeah. damn. But the thing I like about this film is entry... That time period that it came out, because I was I was woke to some of these French films. And like I said, we talked about Martyrs. I think I maybe have seen this film right after I'd seen Martyrs. And because of my fascination with it, and I talked about finding this film at a fucking grocery store back home that had a mm-hmm. video rental place. But anyway, I wound up finding this film at a pawn shop for like two bucks back home. And I was really looking for it, because I felt like... This is close enough to this place that perhaps somebody's seen it and they're like, I don't want this film anymore. <laughs> right. And pawned it off, like literally, and I found it. But anyhow, I'm glad I have this addition to my collection. I'm glad I got to share it with you. It is one of the French extreme horrors and felt like maybe we can talk maybe a little bit about that before we, you know, hit an end note on this film. Oh. Just yeah. like, you know, the French extreme horror, how it kind of got its label and some of its. Uh, that influence at that moment, you know. And that was interesting. Because, you know, we talked about some of those films that came out in the mid-2000s. 
there was even a little bit of an earlier movement in the late 90s. I think like Claire Denis and there was a, I think her name is Batelli. They did some harrowing body torture and, you know, just extreme. Some people will call it like extreme love stories, <laughs> like super extreme violence, you know, sexual violence. Mm-hmm. But a film critic, a guy named uh, James Quant, he's actually the one who kind of gave it the new French extremity. But he was trying to use it more in a pejorative way. I don't know, maybe he felt like they were trying to enter this realm of pushing the envelope because they're independent. And it's like, do you necessarily need to see this? But in reality... Kind of like people who use Grindhouse as a pejorative. Right. Yeah, you know, and stuff like too. We talked about like black exploitation, mm-hmm. you know, with Blackula, and it's like it's not necess- it's not a bad word, mm-hmm. you know. It's just it could be a political movement. It could be satire on certain hot topics of the day. In this case, with uh, some of the French movement too, there's a lot of political undertones, like specifically in this film too. Oh, like riots are, are right. a big uh, subplot to this and why people don't want to be on the streets The at kid's all, but... there because there's tension of this wave of immigration mm-hmm. in Paris. And while the lady, the woman, is trying to enter the house at the beginning, she uses that as a part of an excuse. Like, she doesn't want to be out there because of the tension or the violence in the neighborhoods. So that kind of gets played out a little bit in these films, too. I think even with Martyrs, is like the talk of like these cult upper elitist class and stuff like that. So it hits on some of these topics, some of the exploitation we talked about, it delves right into. Oh, definitely, because you don't actually need to make this film this bloody. No, but you don't. it's part of what makes it, in a way it does kind of make it amazing because it's done so well and is highlighted through truly artful cinematography. It's even kind of alluded to like being partial to like art house films and just like you said very uh stylish cinematic films as well kind of lends its hand to that well i know they've cited him as one of their inspirations the directors but there was a couple times in this movie i was like oh argento oh for sure yeah you get that sense even like with the flash photography that you know used to find like the victims and you could see like the end result of these people and you know but that kind of lends its hand a little bit to the Saw franchise, mm-hmm. which we had covered too. Photography being kind of a big aspect of one of the characters in the film. It has moments of that. Even Hostel, you had mentioned earlier, it has moments of that, that brutality with body torture, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it lends its hand to a lot of old cinema too. Texas well, Chainsaw Massacre and, the thing, and things like it's that. It's like that level of brutality, except in Hostel, it, for the most part, is like true torture. Oh, like, that's his main like the, point. The person is is helpless to what's going on. Yeah, this is that level of brutality, just as forms of offense and self defense. Yeah, it's not premeditated like like mm-hmm. a hostile is. Yeah, I mean you're right. This is just a happenstance. Like, yeah, this is an end result to uh, a dilemma, man. This is life or death. Somebody's coming at you with a knife, so oh, you man. have to pick up the shard of glass. Like. <laughs> Yeah, this is, is brutal. I think for me, all right, now that, you know, I'm still talking about this a little bit too with the new French cinema. We talked about Aja, you know, with his film. We talked about Frontiers. There's a film called Eels, them. I mean, there's a lot of these films, you know, like I said, eventually we'll get into, but it's really interesting because that sparked a kind of another 
kindling another interest for me mm-hmm. when I'd seen Martyrs, when I'd seen this film. I knew about Frontiers. I haven't watched that one quite yet, but... Um, well, I was going to say, like, I've read a little bit on Frontiers, and I kind of feel like, let's do that one. Too. Yeah, I think let's, that would be a really good yeah. one to do. We even talked briefly, I know you were looking at Raw a little bit, too, because that's a part of that French body torture, and, you know, it delves with these taboo subjects as well, mm-hmm. which this film definitely does. It even alludes to some of, like, in a weird way you were talking about earlier with a fatherless baby being born on Christmas. <laughs> you know, I was like, hello, mm-hmm. talking about Jay Swee. <laughs> But I mean, even that's alluded in this film indirectly, but it just so happens to be that it's like, it's on Christmas. It's weird. Oh, 666. Yeah. You know, so you have to pick up on some of those as you watch it, you know, and some of it's done playfully, you know, how much you read into it's one thing, but I think it's still kind of interesting. And knowing like some of the passion that these guys have too, watching some of those behind the scenes, it was cool how they got these actors and actresses involved. But long story short, a lot of them said the reason they did it, it's not because of the fact that they like gore. Like, the woman who played Louise, the mother, she's like, I don't like gore movies. She's like, I I detest them. She's like, it wasn't because of that. She's like, because I like these guys. They were passionate about the film. Basically, they gave me all these compliments, and they put me (laughs) up. And, you know, knowing the fact that they'd seen her earlier films and they grew up watching her, she felt like that was a compliment. So... Doll, who played La Femme, was the same way. She's like, I generally don't work with first-time directors. She's like, I want somebody who's established. She's like, because of the process, and they let her embody that character. Mm-hmm. Like, they could no longer lead her. She's like, this is who this character is. It was different from the script. So they shot it scene by scene. They mm-hmm. actually shot it as the script unfolded. Oh, wow. They okay. didn't jump around. They said that what they wanted to do is let the characters like evolve the actors who played Sarah, Alice, and Paradis, she said like it was emotionally distraught for her because she had to like, she had to hit like these emotional notes mm-hmm. and get into character, and she's like it was just like overwhelming. And they showed like that scene where they're on the stairs, like the crew being quiet and they're watching it from the monitors, and it's like that was fucking intense and brutal. It sounds like that's actually happening, right. and you see the actors, you know, the other people got off, they're like. They're quiet, but you can kind of see their their expressions. You're like, man, that's that was intense. Mm-hmm. And then you see like the two ladies embracing. I was like, man, that's it's pretty heavy. So you know, it kind of shows like these guys were invested. I think it's a brilliant film. It is brutal. I said it's not an easy one to digest. I still don't think it's like if you know, like I said, if they're used to some of these other films that we've done, I kind of told Jeff it's like I felt like. If you can handle imprint, maybe too. Yeah, you yeah, can definitely handle that, this. This made me think of imprint when I was watching through it. One thing I wanted to say is this movie is possibly about to become a little bit more relevant. Oh yes, yeah, it's a good point because I wanted to mention that too. But uh, we did uh, mention we a little bit it on the last a episode. Bit, yeah. um, but considering we just talked about it on this episode, yeah. So yeah, if you don't necessarily want to <coughs> see this version of it, because this one is definitely the more brutal version, I would imagine. I haven't seen the uh, English release we're about to mention, but I would imagine this one is going to be a little bit more soft around the edges. Yeah, there's a 2016 film version of Inside. Oh, 2018. Uh, I mean, it's, it's getting that release. I think they shot it in 16. Oh. But yes, it's getting a 2018 January so release So January date. 12th, Video On Demand, is an English language version. Right, starring um, Rachel Nichols 
and Laura Haring. Yeah, Laura Haring, we talked about her briefly, but she was kind of a, like a, a La Femme character in Mulholland Drive that David Lynch directed. So she's playing La Femme in this film, and Rachel Nichols is playing the Sarah character in the English version. Yeah, Miguel Angel Vivas. Yeah, director from Spain. He's done some like home invasion He's film, I believe. Yeah. He did Extinction. I think it's interesting to get another foreign director to do the English language version. Maybe gives me a little bit of hope for it because I mean I haven't seen the Martyrs English language either. remake I yet. But I'm everything I've heard is that it's not good, right? And that it's very toned down. I think it still gets a bit icky at parts, but I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, exactly. That's kind of how I feel about like, and that's unfortunately <sighs> where the bar has been set. If the same thing happens to Inside, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I was gonna say. Let's uh, pause this for a second and watch the trailer and give a reaction. Okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. All right, we just watched the trailer for the English language remake. Right. Okay, I guess your thoughts first. My hot take. It looks way scarier than this one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just teasing. No, it doesn't. Uh, not even close. I had a feeling, and I, I mean, even it's just going to be a watered-down version. It looks of, poochied up a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. It has two actresses who are... Honestly, these are dramatic actresses. I mean, that's their, that's what they do. So to be in this role, they're going to have to do something that's really, you know, going to be like a wow moment for me. I just don't see that happening. It'd still be interesting to see what they do. I'll say that much because I know, I think both of the directors and writers, same guys, I think they lent a hand to this film, at least in the script. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. There was already things where I was like, huh, I'm not sure. I don't know. There's a big moment for me too, like... You know, I think we we both know. I mean, it's in the trailer. We can talk. It's not like it's spoilers. In yeah, the arms. Yeah, 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 in the arms. So yeah. The, yeah, what the fuck was with the? She doesn't care that much, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't. She's almost drug her up. I'll give it a chance, but it's my call, my call right now is it's kind of looking like it might go the way that it sounds like martyrs went. Yeah, like I said, it takes a lot for me to watch, especially like an English or an American remake. Of a film that's already good, like it doesn't really need a remake. At least this isn't like a true American remake. It is at mm. least like a director. But see, so that's the thing I wanted to, and why I brought up this other Wikipedia page so I could remember her yeah, name. Yeah. If you're going to remake this movie, and to be honest, it looks like the movie's just about done, and considering how soon her last movie just came out, it probably wasn't on the schedule at all. It probably wasn't even an option, even if they would have contacted her. I feel like the far more interesting remake of this movie is give it to the director of Raw. Uh, oh, yeah. Julia Ducanaro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see her doing that, too. She would be uh, an interesting one because it, it does have the, This is a uh, very female story. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. It has a female protagonist and antagonist, which typically you don't get in films, especially with what we're doing as well. You know, usually it's females and ladies are cast as... Like, say, either just a, a throwaway murder, you know, because of sex, or they're the final girl. I mean, it's just, that's usually what happens. And after her depiction of a young woman finding herself in Ra mm-hmm. during her first year of college in a very disturbing way, I suppose. Yeah, Discovery. I want to see her version of this movie far more than this yeah. version that we're getting. yeah. You know, and that's the the cool thing, too, is, like, a lot of these films that fall into that category, they're very stylish, they're very well done, I mean, they're very extreme, but to their credit... Did the crash have to 
What the fuck was that? How did a car crash like that? I mean, look, I, me. I know I know, car crashes uh, are, are crazy mm, and mm. crazy shit happens. You can probably point to, like, five real-life examples where that exact crash happened. But right. still, I mean, come on, man. You saw it. Like, that was, like, a little bit Hollywooded up, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. They, you have to dramatize that moment, you know, to give it some kind of significance, like a, a huge significance, you know. But I know what you mean. Logistically, it's like, that was intense, that scene. Opening so, scene. I feel like this one's going to rely a lot more on exposition. Oh, you because know it, it will be. It seems because it seems like we get a lot of the lead up to the crash too. Mm-hmm. Maybe not all of it, but yes. But it seems like the lead up to the crash in this one lasts at least three minutes. Right. Yeah, you get it plays itself out a little bit rather more. than ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to just aftermath, you get which to see means lead up. Yeah. we probably don't get the reveal the same way. We don't get the twist that that first fetus you see. Because we probably don't get to see a fucking fetus. Do you think that they're going to put in four or five scenes of you know a CG what? fetus? I wonder, too. Like, yeah, I wonder if they'll do that. But I also wonder if they'll leave in, like, the voiceovers, though. And just, like, have maybe a blank screen. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like maybe baby sounds or something. Who knows? That's interesting if they'll do that with the, the infant inside the womb. I don't know yet. I'll watch it just so that I can report back on whether yeah. I feel like they fucked it up or not. I mean, Jesse kind of hinted at it, too. It's a good way maybe to even just, whether we do it on the show or not, just to kind of see what the remakes are like. Because there's a lot of remakes that happen. But I'm not too excited. I'm not 100% sold on it. I mean, after doing this, I feel like we have the superior version. (laughs) By default. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, come on, man. It's hard to, to outdo an original, you know? And this is definitely an original. I'm not expecting it to outdo it. No, but but, I mean, even do it like some kind of justice, too. It's, It's hard to pull off. There's very few. I mean, there are some that do it exceptionally, you know, without a doubt, but we'll see. I don't have much more to add to this, though. No, I feel like, you know, without going too further into the movie, I just, I feel like if you want to see something that does push the envelope, it doesn't do anything outside of what you probably have already seen, like news reports. I mean, we've covered news reports that are pretty gruesome. You know, it's just a way of exposing that, maybe, you know, enhancing that, I suppose, but... I enjoy this film. It's one of those I suggest to people who are comfortable with other films that we have already done in our catalog. Yeah, and like I said, I have a much easier time watching this again than Martyrs. I'll yeah, Martyrs, I feel like that one is just... It's, that one's like soul-wrenching. <laughs> this the, one just kind of beats you up a little bit. Yeah, this is one I feel like... If anybody's going to be joining me, you know, on like my yearly Halloween movie marathon or whatever, yeah. depending on who they are, I wouldn't mind slipping this in there just to be like, okay, here's one to sort of... I mean, it's only hour 22, so it's not... You don't have to invest a whole heck of a lot of time either. I mean, it's a pretty quick watch. It's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. I enjoyed it. So, from here, though... Oh, yes. Um, this is a nice transition. Well, first off, I suppose we should mention we won't be able to record next week because I will be back home. Yeah, because we're going to be ho-ho-hoing. So, there'll be a week off, so go check out our back catalog. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's a good way maybe to like recap the year of taking a little break, like you said, and ring in the new year and check out our catalog in the meantime but when we do get to come back and record what we will be hitting mm. is the creature from the black lagoon a classic we're gonna go way back we're yeah. gonna get in the way back machine yeah we're gonna <laughs> we're the way back boys for that episode but we're going way or back <laughs> they're gonna call us way back boys <laughs> hell yeah we're gonna be the way back boys for that episode god damn it <laughs> and we're gonna do the dicks 
Oh, for sure. For sure. There's probably going to be a lot of dicks in that movie. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, we've been kind of looking forward to this. Yes, we have. I know you've gone out and you've even published it on one of our social media platforms, but you got a nice little addition to your library. Oh, yeah. I got me that Blu-ray collection Dude, of the Universal Monsters. That's fucking awesome. Ooh, that was a good purchase. Ooh, buddy. So that's what I'm going to be watching it on. And I'm going to make a nice like dinner of it and everything. I'm yeah, make an event out of it. It's it's worthy, I'm too. i treat myself somehow. I, if I can figure out some way to make it like lagoon-based, I'm not going to be able to make it lagoon-based. I live in fucking Montana and it's winter. but <laughs> <laughs> We can improvise, you know. But uh, that's going to be a fun one because that's going to be our first episode of the new year. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. So... I think that's going to be a fantastic way to start off the year. I'm super excited about that. Like I said, this is uh, an extension into our next 50 and beyond. Mm -hmm. So to keep with us doing it, if you don't already know, however you listen to your podcast, you should be able to just search for us. We try to get out there. We have links to all of our main, the iTunes, the Stitcher, all that, on our website, www.friedsquirms.com. You can email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We're on, like, Facebook, Fried Squirms, at Fried Squirms on Twitter, and Fried Squirms Podcast on the Instagram. On the Instagrams. We love pictures. We love feedback. We love to hear from you. Like I said, keep giving us suggestions. In the meantime, like I said, this is our Christmas episode. So if you celebrate the holidays, even if it's non-traditional... This is a very non-traditional way to celebrate Christmas. I'll yeah, tell you it is. I'm glad that this is our Christmas episode. Yeah, <laughs> so keep that in mind. We wish you a happy holiday and a happy new year, and we look forward to pumping out some more for the, the 2018, yeah? Fried Squirms out. Out. <laughs>